Good morning. I want to greet you all in the name of Jesus this morning, and I'm looking forward to digging into God's Word this morning. It's been such a privilege to share now three weeks in a row on this five-week journey that the Lord has had us on. You know, we've been walking this journey of first things first, looking at the Word of God and bringing that to our homes, right? And so today we're going to be looking at a very, a very strong, powerful subject today of godly husbands. This is a big deal, so be praying right now, dear sisters, for your husband, because the Word of God doesn't treat him lightly in this subject. Amen? It's a high calling because we are called to represent Jesus. But just a quick review. So the first week, a few weeks back, we talked about not abandoning our first love. We looked at Revelations 2, 1 through 7, the church at Ephesus, and how God was commending them for all the right things that they were doing, but they were doing it for the wrong reasons. They had abandoned their first love. And if we're really going to walk with the Lord, if we're really going to have the gospel central in our homes, it starts with loving Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and now going and loving others as ourselves, remembering that our homes are our first others. The second week, last week, we talked about how God has a a way of, of order in the Old Testament. Back in Genesis chapter two, we see that God made man, that he made him a helper comparable to him when he made Eve, that there is an order in our home, that God is a God of order. We looked at how sin came and destroyed the natural tendency of that order, how sin came and now we don't want to do what God has for us. And we all know that the answer to that sinful problem in our life is Jesus. We looked at our adversary, the devil, now he wants to destroy us. He wants to use God's word against us, which means as men of God, we have to know what his word says. So this morning, as we, as we get started this morning, I just want us to remember the path that God has had us on. We have to make sure that Jesus is first and foremost in our life, because otherwise we're going to look at husbands today, and we're going to look at the roles of husbands, and something inside of us is going to say that I must figure this out on my own, because apart from Christ, we can never live up to the expectation he has on us. Amen? All right. So this morning we're going to start in Ephesians 5, looking at verses 22-33. We're going to start there and then we're going to then we'll pray. So turn your Bibles to Ephesians 5:22. This is considered the household text. Ephesians 5, 22 to the end of the chapter. Paul has a lot to say today to us through the book of Ephesians. We won't cover everything. We can't get to everything in, in an hour and a half. So um, we're going to get to as much as we can, but I hope that it'll stir a hunger that you'll return to it. It's so important to us. Let's read together. Verse 22 says, wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So, ought, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one, ever ate, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Verse 33, nevertheless, let each one of you in particularly so love his own wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word. It truly is powerful, Lord, but your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. It's able to, to cut us where we, where we need it today, Father. And so, Father, I do pray for us as husbands today. Lord, as we read your word today, that it truly would be life to us, but we would see that that life giver is Jesus, that we cannot do the expectations of your word, the commands of your word, apart from the very life that comes from, and that's the surrendered heart to Jesus. 
So Father, I pray today as we go through this that you would be illuminated, you would be glorified, Father, but you would help us as husbands to see this high calling, Lord, that we have from you to represent you in our homes. And Father, all of us as husbands would say this is, this is a big deal. But Lord, it's not in your word because you don't want us to do it. It's in your word because you will empower us to walk in this. So Father, I pray today you would help us to choose to believe that, choose to know that this is the expectation for us as men, as husbands, and that you will help us to walk this out. Father, I pray that you would just bless this time. Help me not to say what I shouldn't, but may your word go forth powerfully. Will you be with us today in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Now this household text Starts off with wives, but today we're, gonna, we're just going to focus on the husbands. We're going to talk about wives next week. And, and the reason I feel like the Lord has us to do that today is because I feel like as husbands, we're the head of the home. We're to represent Jesus in our home. So we're really, if we're going to look at our home, I feel like we have to start with us as husbands. We have to start with the head, so to speak, to make sure that we are in order. But there's a couple things that I want us to see before we get too far into Ephesians here. God doesn't say, or Jesus doesn't say in his word, that you love your wife as long as she submits to you. Is that written down there? Does he say you love your wife just as long as she cooks good, she takes good care of you, you love your wife, right? Dan says yes. (laughs) It's a good thing you're here, brother. It doesn't say that. We've got to understand, brothers, that our role is based on Jesus, Our role in our home is because of who he is and what he says we are now to to do. That's what we have to stay focused on. I have said it. I am sure some of you have said it. That woman of mine, right? And not necessarily in a positive way. This is church, so don't, don't be telling stories. But we say those things sometimes. We think those things sometimes. But we have to come to the word of God today and see that I am accountable before God to live according to what the word says regardless if my wife ever does. That doesn't make it easy, right? And I hope she does. Um, And we'll talk about that next week. But brothers, we have to see that our role is not dependent upon her. Our role is dependent upon Jesus. Amen. So let's start with Ephesians 5. We're gonna start in verse 25. Interesting that in this section, Paul has three verses to women and he has nine verses to us as the head of our home, as husbands. We used the term last week, and, and I saw a couple of women kind of knee-jerk when I said it. I'm not going to call your names, but there is a male headship, right? And we have to understand that. We cannot get away from that. It's what the Word of God teaches. Regardless of what this culture says, there is a male headship in our homes. It is up to us to live and to represent Jesus in our home according to these words. So the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25, husbands love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, I love Paul because he didn't go into this long thing about, hey, this, this role of husbands, it's great and wonderful. He comes right out of the gate and he says, no excuses. Love your wife, right? Just love her. Now, what's the one thing that we need the most, think about this as husbands, to know what to do in our marriages and it's to love our wives, Right? Now, I'm not talking about when you first start a date and she's pretty and she can do no wrong and you could do no wrong. That's different, right? But once you're married for a while, it's a little more work, right? But it's more beautiful at the same time. We're to love her. We're to cut all the excuses out. We're to quit whining about what's going on, how we were grew up, all those types of things. And we got to stand before our holy Savior and say, you know, God wrote this down and it's for me. And I need to be about this. So if he says that I can love my wife, which this word here is agapeo, which is the verb form of agape, which is that God-like love, this love here is this unconditional, sacrificial love. This is where John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Same word, God so loved, because God loved us, he gave sacrificially to us in his son. So today, us as husbands, that is our role. We are to give sacrificially, unconditionally to our wives. Again, not based on her, but based on Jesus. To unconditionally, sacrificially love her. 
You know, when you think about these verses, I remember as a young Christian reading these verses and thinking, what on earth is he talking about here? Like, how am I supposed to love her as Christ? Like, I, it took me a while to really understand the basics of this. And I think there's such a, such a depth of God's love that we have to just continue to walk in this to really understand more of who he is. Amen? So why, excuse me, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, this is something that God wants to do in our lives. And one of the things we have to make sure that we understand is when God asks us or commands us to do something in scripture, he is more than capable of working this in your life. Do you believe that this morning? Like he's more than capable to do this in our lives. Thank you, brother. He's more than capable to do this. So if God's more than capable and he's given us the expectation, then where's the problem? You're looking at it, right? I'm the problem. You're the problem, brother. Sometimes we don't believe God for who he is. We don't trust him for who he is. And somehow we think that we need to be in the midst of that kind of guiding this ship. Now we are called to lead, but it's only as we follow Jesus. And I hope that comes through so clear this morning that this is all because of what he has done in our lives. Now, we can't love our wives as Christ loved the church if we don't love Jesus. And I don't want to, I just want to take a moment here to say, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. Well, then don't try to apply these verses because this starts with a loving relationship, recognizing what he has done for you, the sacrifice that he made for you. You were saying that song earlier, we believe. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe all that Jesus has done for us. It's because of that now that we can go to these verses and say, okay, I need to be like Jesus. But it starts with a relationship. I have to know him and I have to be following him. You know, in India, as we train pastors in India, when we, when we get to the household text and they realize that the gospel is not just out there, but it starts here in my home, it changes everything. That home changes. You know what the community sees is they see a husband loving his wife, a wife sacri- or submitting to her husband, children honoring and obeying the parents. It changes the community because the family decided to do what God called them to do. The same is for us. The Bible says, 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or things of the, uh, the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We must truly be in love with him. Remember, the opposite of loving God is, is to love the things of this world. And there's a lot of pretty things in this world. There's a lot of things that draw our attention. But brothers, our time on this earth is short. Our time with our children is short. You know, my wife and I were down to just three kids at home. By the way, uh, Miriam says hello from Uganda. I want to make sure I say that before we get any further. She was at a church service this morning in Congo out in the middle of nowhere. And anyway, she wanted me to say that, so she's going to be listening later. So Miriam, there you go. So we're down to two kids at home right now. Your time is short. Your time is short, and your example is long. Amen? It is. My kids will sit around and they'll tell stories sometimes, and my wife and I are like, why is that what they remember? Right? <laughs> anyway. He's given us all that's necessary. Remember, this is not an if-then statement. He teaches us that we are to love our wives. That has to be our motivation. I was given great advice by uh, a good friend. He says, next time you argue with your wife, I want you to hold her in your arms and, and, and basically tell her, I love you. And I thought, well, I don't want to hear that, right? But what great advice. What great advice to... To hold her in her arms and say, you know what, I, I love you. I choose to love you. Even when we don't, we don't agree, I'm choosing to love you in the midst of that. So husbands, we've got to stop making excuses. This is our responsibility to represent Jesus in our home. And, and I want you to see that this isn't optional, right? You don't say, well, you know, that's for, that's for them other guys. But you know what, I, I'm good. It's not there. It's not optional. What God says in his word for us as husbands, raise your hand if you're a husband. It's yours, right? This is for you. And I can promise you, you're sitting here going, Chris, I've made a lot of mistakes. We all have. Amen? We all have. But we have this, this, this loving Heavenly Father who's willing and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
and put, us, put our feet back on that solid rock and encourage us to move forward. But we cannot be giving up. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I, I'd do anything for my wife. I'd take a bullet for my wife, right? If somebody's coming to attack her, boy, I, I, would, I would stop them, right? But how about sacrificially loving her every single day, right? How about sacrificially loving her through postpartum depression? How about sacrificially loving her through menopause? How about sacrificially loving her just on Tuesday, right? Like our wives, they have lots going on. And just so you know, we do too as husbands, right? We don't have names for it like they do. (laughs) And I don't mean that to be funny. We just don't have names for it. We still have our moments where we struggle. You know, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how do we communicate this love? What does this look like? So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. It's not in the handout, but... So you have to give me a little bit with this one. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. We're going the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I love this parable because it helps me to see myself as a husband. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verses 25, we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Jesus says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He says to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he says, so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Sounds pretty familiar, right? Verse 28, and Jesus says, you have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. Verse 29, but wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And guys, we, we love to justify ourselves. Verse 30, then Jesus answered and he tells a story here. He says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. He was stripped of his clothing, wounded and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now the way I, the way I see this, at least for me, as I read this and I par- compare this to myself as I'm supposed to love my wife as my first other, is sometimes I can be so religious, I can be so hoity-toity, I can be so high-minded that I completely miss the needs of my wife. I can be so focused on church work, I can be so focused on outward appearances and what things look like that I completely miss the needs of my wife. And again, I, I like to put myself in Scripture as I read these stories. So you have this priest here who probably didn't want to get his clothes dirty, probably didn't want to bother himself with these things. Brothers and sisters, how many times is that at home? Our wife is buried with kitchens are wrecked, the laundry's backed up, you know, the the garden's got stuff coming in like crazy. She's behind in every category. And we go sit in our easy chair, right? And I've met men who refuse to ever wash a dish or to throw a load of laundry in that, that machine that does it all for you, Right? Husbands, we cannot be that guy. What are the needs of our wives? But there's this other guy, he says, but a certain Samaritan, verse 33, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, when he departed, he looked, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him and fell among the thieves? And he said to him that he who showed mercy on him, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Guys, do we see our wives and the needs that they have? Not the, not the things that she may be communicating to you, but what needs does she have? And guys, I can tell you, I know at least in my own marriage, you know, we have our struggles You know, early on in our marriage, we weren't Christian and we became Christians years later and we had anger problems. We had lots of struggles in our marriage and there's lots of scars because of those struggles, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Don't act like you don't. But what are the needs of our wives? She's your first other. She's your first neighbor. She's the first one that Jesus says, now we are to love our wives Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Philippians 2. Good, good, a good rundown of the, of the example that Jesus is for us. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8. The Bible says, 
Let this mind be in, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. You know, when Jesus refers to himself, he refers to himself as humble. He refers to himself as obedient. He says he had no reputation. Like his life was not about himself. His life was to do the will of the Father. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about his dreams, his desires. But we've got to ask ourselves, you know, when when you think about um, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul's not writing to the world. He's not writing to say, hey, go out in the streets and tell them, hey, this is what a husband is supposed to do and go hold them accountable to that, right? No, Paul's writing, when he gets to this household text, he's writing to spirit-filled believers. He's writing to those who are now ready to hear this, right? He's writing to a church, a church that he helped start. He's writing to people who know him, know the word of God, have the spirit of God within him. And brothers, we have to have all of that if we're really gonna live this out before the Lord. So the, the audience here is a spirit-filled man. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for him. Because of Christ, this is the reason. So husbands, I thought about these verses in Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 8. Verses 27 through 29, where, where Jesus, he asks his disciples, he says, hey guys, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. And, and I love when Jesus asks questions because he's, he's trying to help us to see something inside of ourselves. And he turns to them, he says, well, who do you say that I am? Now think about that question for a minute, guys. How would your wife answer that? Or better yet, how would your children answer that question? By your life, by your testimony, by your example, what would your kids say? Well, dad believes Jesus is blank. You know, I asked my, my daughter Abigail this morning, I said, honey, how do you know that I love your mom? And he said, she said, well, you're super clingy. <laughs> and if anybody's ever been to our house, you guys know that I can't walk past my wife without hugging her. That's just who we are. She likes it most of the time, but I, I just, I can't walk by her without Grabbing a hug. I just, I, I just adore my wife, and I want her to know that she's loved and appreciated. Um, she doesn't like it when in the kitchen, maybe, but anyway. But it's because of Jesus. We have to be able to say that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Christ. He is the answer. So that's the command. We're commanded to love, and there's many more things that we could talk about that, the second section we're going to talk about is called the purpose. And we're going to read Ephesians 5, 26 through 28. The purpose behind this love. What is the, what's, the, what's the why behind this? 26 through 38. Excuse me, 26 through 28. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So ought husbands to love their own wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves him wife, his wife loves himself. You know, the Bible gives us this picture here of this sanctification process, right? This sanctification process is which when, when we say yes to Jesus, when we yield our hearts and life to him, when he comes into our lives and he forgives us of our sin and sets us into this new life that we have, now have in Jesus Christ, at that moment he starts to mold us and make us in his image, Right? And so we learned in, in Genesis that we are created on the outside in his image. We look like him already. So what part needs to change? It's the inside, right? And there's a lot of insides that need to change. We need that sanctification process in our lives. We need the Lord to change us. We need to have our hearts changed. We need to have our attitudes changed. We need our character to change. And again, brothers, we can't say, well, this was how I was raised or grandpa did this or whoever. We have to look to the word of God and say, God, how do I do as you've called me to do right here, walking through this sanctification process? Because the picture he's given us here is that our life is to encourage her in the Lord, that the way we live our life is to encourage her 
in her walk with Jesus, that we are to help her down this sanctification process because remember, our marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. You as a husband being a picture of Jesus, your wife being a picture of the church, he's given a picture here that our, our marriage should be this picture of this, this spotless church um, as, he, as he says here, I'm losing my train of thought here. They might present to herself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, any such thing, but she should be holy and without blemish. That's why. That's the what for. The gospel has to come home with us. Right? We, can, we can say whatever we want on Sunday mornings. We can even Sunday afternoons have people over. But what is the gospel like in your house on Monday or on Tuesday or on Wednesday? Are we excited about family devotions? Are we praying with our wives? You know, we're, we're having the privilege of walking with a young couple and doing some uh, marriage counseling. And one of the very first things, and this was my wife, she says, you guys got to pray together every day. Every day. Every day you guys should be praying together. And that was a real challenge to me because I can be honest with you, we pray together almost every day, but we do miss it sometimes. And there's something very precious and powerful about our wife's prayers. But our homes are to represent Jesus. And we talked about um, early on, a couple Sundays ago, about how we know the devil wants to destroy our homes. We know he wants to destroy our churches. And he's doing a, a pretty good job but as husbands, we've got to stand up and say, you know what, I'm not going to allow that to happen in my home. I'm going to be the man that God's called me to be. Amen? Amen. But again, it only comes as we completely surrender to him. You know, one of the words that he uses there is that she should be holy and without blemish. Holy basically means to be set apart for God. You know, husbands, we've got to be setting standards in our homes. And wives, you've got to be coming alongside and helping him with that. It's not easy in this culture to set standards. It's not easy in this culture to be holy, to be set apart. It's so easy just to go blend in. But that is not what God's called us to do, to be separate. We're to love our wives as our own bodies. John says in John 17, 17 through 19, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. This was Jesus praying for us in his high priestly prayer back in John 17. But guys, so many times in that sanctification process, we want to help our wives be way more holy, way more righteous than we're willing to walk ourselves. And let's just be honest with us. It's so much easier to point out all the, all the wrong things that your wife may be doing, all the things that she needs to grow in, even give her a book once in a while, right? But where's our heart at? Where, where are we at with truly loving our wives? You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, our marriage is 50-50. And I tell you that, that's the wrong picture, right? And as we, as we look at our role as a husband, I want to make something very clear. I'm never saying once that we're to submit to our wives, right? I'm not saying that at all. That's her role. But we are to love her as a servant. Think about Jesus. They're in the, they're in the upper room or they're in that, that house together and nobody washed anybody's feet. And what did Jesus do? There was a need. He girded himself with the towel, got the water, and he served his disciples. He fed his disciples. He did all these different things in a way that he served and loved them. Now, did he um, submit to them? Absolutely not. Did Jesus hold his disciples to a very high standard? Amen, he did. So I want to make that clear. But when you think about our wives and our, and our lives together, it's not 50-50. It has to be None of me and none of her. Amen? It has to be all because of Jesus. Because anything that I bring along with me is going to be the problem. Anything that she brings along with her, that's going to be a problem. It has to be two yielded hearts for Jesus where we can truly say that the two become one, which is what I believe Adam and Eve have. They had that, that oneness that we on this side of the, of the fall need to get back to. So the next section is application. Application. So back to Ephesians 5 one more time. And I, I know we're going through this kind of quickly. We're going to read verses 29 through 33. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So twice in this section, we're, we're commanded to love our wives as our own flesh, right? We, we do take care of ourselves, right? Um, Kevin B. cut his finger the other day. His flesh told him, this is a problem. We have to fix this, right? Like we want to take care of ourselves. We don't like pain. We don't want bad things to happen. If we're hungry, we want to go eat. But he's saying that's the context in which we should be loving our wives as our own bodies. Let me ask you, brothers, how do you spend your money? How do you spend your money? What does that look like in your home? Because I, I know of lots of men who love to spend money on themselves, but then they hold their wives on a such a tight rein that if the poor woman spends $2 over her grocery budget, boy, she better, she's gonna get it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Somebody may be sitting in this room, I don't know. But think about it, husbands, where are we spending our money? I was at a, at a brother's house, and this has been about 10 years ago, and he was showing me something. I think it was a new chainsaw, if I remember correctly, but I, I could have been wrong. Could have been a weed eater. Could have been a lawnmower. Could have been whatever. And it was the third one he had, right? Third one he had, brand new. It was nice, and I'm pretty sure it was a chainsaw. And he's talking about how he can cut all this firewood and just, just it, it better than sliced bread. Like, it's the neatest thing ever. And we're in the house, and his wife has a pair of broken glasses. Been wearing them for three years. You believe that? The whole time I'm thinking, Chainsaw, your wife is wearing a pair of broken glasses. Well, they don't have vision insurance. Come on, brothers. How can we be so mindful of ourselves and overlook the needs of our wives? How are we spending our money? What about our free time? Hunting, fishing, not a bad thing, right? Those are good things. How are we spending our time? What does our wife see? How do we, how do, we do that? There was another one. A guy was showing me his new gun and his wife uh, had this toaster that was duct taped and kind of had some, some stuff going on. And he just spent all this money on this gun and, they, and his wife didn't have a $15 toaster. Guys, what are we doing? Are we truly understanding the needs of our wives? One of my big pet peeves is get into somebody's car and every light on the dash is on. And it, but it's their wife's car, right? Not their car, but their wife's car. Guys, our wives, do they see that we're cherishing? Do they see that we love them? Do they feel that? You know, I'm, I was impressed, you know, last week, Aaron and Jessica were able to get away for six days all by themselves, and they came back, right? <laughs> and, I, and I really was blessed by that because you know how much work it takes for them to get away for six days? Like, this took weeks of planning to make happen, but it was important to Aaron to make this happen. Brothers, do our wives see us taking that level of dedication that this is important. I need this time with my wife because I love her. I need this time that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. How about when we're sitting in church and that baby cries again this Sunday, which is fine. I love babies. How about you take that baby out? How about you take that baby out? It's okay. You're the daddy. It's not babysitting. It's your baby. I knew I'd get one there. Take a day off and, get, and tell her to get out of the house, go spend some time with her friends, and take care of the home, take care of the children. Again, it's not your responsibility to do all those things, but it's a way of showing love to our wives. Do nice things for her. One of the things that I've taught my boys, and most of the time they do it, open the car door for your wife. Love her, cherish her, treat her like a lady. You know, we want our wives to be feminine, right? But then we treat them like one of the guys. We need to treat our wives like this feminine treasure that they truly are. Does your wife feel cherished? Does she feel loved? Does she feel supported? Well, this isn't all that Paul has to say about husbands. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Colossians 3, 19. And this one really, really kind of hits us where we're, where we're at, guys. Colossians 3, 19. The Bible says, this is another uh, household text. Verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives. Okay, we're good so far. And do not be bitter toward them. Don't be bitter towards them. Another way to, to say that is to make bitter, to exasperate, to render angry, irritated, or to grieve. And 
Every one of you know what I'm talking about when I say this. We do this, right? We get upset with our wives. We, we get a little quiet. We get upset with something she's done and we're not willing to give forgiveness. But we do have these moments because he didn't write it down because it only happened once, right? It's in our Bibles because we have this tendency to do this. We have this tendency to get offended and become bitter. And brothers, we've, this is something that God felt the need to write in his word because it's true in our lives and it's something that has to be dealt with. And again, we can deal with this pretty quickly if we just back up and say, you know what? I'm to love her because of Jesus. It really takes care of the problem. But again, our eyes and our attention have to be on him. Amen? Turn your Bibles to James chapter three. James chapter three. We're gonna look at verses 13 through 18 and um, Aaron and I actually had this conversation yesterday talking about pride and how it just, it just eats us alive and how we need to get rid of it in our lives and our marriage and our homes. James chapter three, starting in verse 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from, the, uh, from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here we get this picture of the opposite of pride. And then when we allow pride in our lives, we see, we see this bitter envy. We see self-seeking. We see the focus really turning on to us, which is really what pride is, right? Look at me. Look what I have done. Um, and again, us husbands, we, we fall into this. So husbands, we're not to be bitter towards our wife. One of the other things that I um, thought about was what about the needs in the home? You know, that shelf she's asked you for three years to hang, hang the shelf, right? That faucet that's been dripping since the day you moved in the house, fix the faucet, right? What are those things that just drive her crazy that you could easily just take care of for her? Do you see those as important? Do you put those on the priority list and say, you know, this is important to my wife, this is gonna be important to me? Now, I'm not talking about frivolous things that don't, aren't important, so please don't take it the wrong way, but those things that generally are needs around our home. Turn your Bibles, one more section with uh, some more admonition to us as husbands. First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three, verse seven. Another household text. And here he's, we get a little better picture of what God um, wants to say to us about husbands. He says in verse seven, husbands likewise Dwell with them in understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together, together the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them in understanding. Dwell with your wife. You know, there's a lot of people that just become roommates as they get married, right? She does her thing, I do my thing, and we just happen to live in the same house. Here he talks about dwell with them. This is a lot, lot more uh, this is a tighter picture, right? This is a unity in the home. Dwell with her, he says. Get back to my verse here. Dwell with them. Dwell with them in understanding. Brothers, do we know our wives? Do we know our wives? Are we taking time to just let her talk? Yesterday, my wife, she helped me go to Menards and we're working on our back deck and uh, we're trying to figure out what to do and how to fix this thing because it's falling apart. And anyway, we get home, and I don't know about you husbands, but if I'm thinking about something or trying to run a math problem through my head, I can't hear anything else. I can, I can do one thing at a time. I'm really good at that one thing, but I can't do five things at once. And so we're walking up to the back deck. We bought all this lumber, and she's asked me, she asked me five questions in like 40 seconds. <laughs> you guys ever do that to your wife or to your husband? Just boom, 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 boom. And I'm just like, and I'm doing a math problem in my head, figuring the square feet and doing some things. And I looked at her and I said, well, which question first, right? 
But our wives, they, they enjoy talking. They have inquisitive minds. They want to know what's going on. They want to know about you. They want to know about your day. And more importantly, they want you to know about their day. And they want you to find that important, which means we have to be checked in and listening. We have to dwell with them with understanding. He says we have to give honor to our wife. Give honor to our wife. It means we're not a tyrant. We recognize her womanhood. And we just want to treat her like a woman, treat her like a lady. We want to respect her. But he says, as to the weaker vessel, as to the weaker vessel, and I know there's been a lot of uh, teaching on this, and especially in conservative churches, I think sometimes they go a little overboard with it, but really he's just talking about she's not as strong as you physically. Spiritually, uh, I've seen many women who far excel their husbands in spirituality, and I've seen women who far excel their husbands mentally. Here he's talking about our wives are the weaker vessel, which means she can't do as much work as you. You can't take her to the job site and expect her to do everything you do. And I tell my wife all the time, honey, let me carry the burden. Let me do that. Give me that pickle jar, right? I can open it for you, right? I tell her all the time, I'm not just here for pickle jars. We go to the grocery store, I'm pushing the buggy, right? Like we are the men. Step up into that role and quit burdening our wives with so much work. How about the things that we ask her to do? apart from the to-do list she already has, right? Like, like Brandon wasn't asking Kayla to do anything this week, right? Because her week's full, right? What kind of husband would have, where's my dinner, right? She's busy all week, right? And I'm just using them as an example. But husbands, sometimes we do this. Well, where's my dinner? Where's my whatever in the midst of a crazy busy day? Or you come home, and I'm sure you've had this before when I used to come home, and I usually worked 12, 13-hour shifts and would come home and house is a wreck and homeschooling's behind and kids are bouncing off the walls. And, and, and I've said this a few times and I learned, and, well, what'd you do all day, right? Not a good answer or not a good question. The real question is, how can I help, right? How do I plug in? How do I, how do I help get these things back in order, Right? That's dwelling with them and understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, not burdening our wives. They're not pack mules, they're our helpmeet. But he says as we're being heirs together the grace of life, we've got to continue to be reminded that our wives are our equal before Jesus. Right? We have different roles, but we, in God's eyes, he didn't love her any less than he loves me. He loves us the same. He has the same expectation that we would both have yielded hearts completely following him for who he is. But he adds this at the very end of verse seven. He says, all these things we're supposed to be doing that your prayers may not be hindered. Now think about that for a minute. Have you ever done that? You pray and it just feels like they just kind of, they go about as far as you can, you know, throw something maybe. You guys ever feel that way? And you look at your wife and you know there's just some, there's some tension there, there's some unforgiveness, there's, there's some honor that's not happening not dwelling with them and understanding, not giving honor to her, not, not thinking about how she is that weaker vessel. One of the other things, husbands, let your wife sleep in once in a while. Just let her get some sleep. I promise you it makes for a happy, happy marriage if your wife can get some sleep, especially when you have young ones. Take that time, see what the needs are on your phone. But we need to be doing these things so that our prayers are not hindered. And I believe God put this in here specifically because we can be that way as men. We're so task-oriented that we just want to get things done that we can overlook our wives, but we have to be focused on loving her as Christ loved the church. And in that moment, then our prayers are heard. They're not hindered. Like, that's a big deal. How many of you don't want your prayers heard? Right? No, of course not. We don't want that. We want to have our prayers heard. We want to be that spiritual man in our home. But brothers and sisters, it's something that we have to be all about. One of the things that we have to think about is, as a husband, get a drink of water here, as we're loving our wives, those of you who have daughters, how would you like your daughters to marry a guy like you? You're the example, right? You're the example in the home. Do you feel comfortable going to your, your daughter and say, honey, I want you to find a husband just like your dad? That's humbling, right? How many of you are going, oh, no, I don't want that. She deserves better than that. Well, it's time for us to get busy, right? It's time for us to stand up. I've told my daughters since they were born, 
you got to get a guy, he's got to be a priest, a protector, and a provider. And uh, just thinking to myself, are we that example? Am I the priest in my home? Am I truly the provider, not just of resources to keep the house going, but am I, am I providing spiritually to my family? Am I having those family devotions, which means I gotta have family, I've got to have devotions myself. Do our kids see us in the word of God? Do our kids see us praying? Do our kids see us living a life for Jesus? And one of the things that Aaron and I talked about yesterday was, do our kids see us asking for forgiveness? The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, if you'll turn there real quickly, Ephesians 4.32, it's not specifically talking about the marriage, but I do appreciate this verse. It says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. One of the greatest things we can do in our marriage is to just forgive each other. And I know you're waiting for her to ask for it, right? Well, as soon as she asks me for it, I'll, I'll forgive her, Right? We should just forgive. Amen? And we should expect the same type of forgiveness because the Bible teaches us if we withhold forgiveness, then Jesus does the same thing in our own lives. We have to see once again that our life is because of Jesus. This role of loving our wives is because of Jesus. Forgiving each other in marriage is because of Jesus. But my role as a husband is not dependent upon my wife. We've got to understand that. Husbands, do you believe that God can do these things in our marriage? Do you believe that God can change you and mold you into the image of his son where you can say yes and amen to these verses? Or you can even come alongside some young man and say, hey, let's walk this journey together. Let's, let's see what God has for us in his word and let's do this together. I did put some homework in there. There's some questions on the back. And you can come up with whatever, but really, one of the greatest things we can do, how about we just ask our wives how we're doing with this? I know some guys, they don't like this. In my marriage, I want to hear from my wife. Who knows me better than my wife besides Jesus, right? I want her to help me to be a better husband. So I ask my wife all the time, honey, how am I doing with this? But we've got to be careful because we didn't always like the answer, now, she doesn't say it in the wrong way. She's not disrespectful. Please don't take it the wrong way. But I want to know what she's feeling. I want to know how I'm doing as a husband. So I wrote down a few questions. First one was, and I've asked this of my wife years ago, will you pray these verses in Ephesians 5 for me? So I want you to go home and sometime this week, run the kids out in the yard, let them go play volleyball or whatever, make a pot of coffee and sit her down. I call my wife Sugar Bean. So I say, hey, Sugar Bean, sit down. Let's have a cup of coffee, right? And now I'm going to ask her some questions because I want to know what they are. And I'm going to ask her to pray this for me. How can I better represent Jesus in our home? Do you feel this type of love from me? I'll just encourage you as husbands, ask your wives. It's okay. It's okay to do that. And come up with any other questions. But you got to be willing to hear her heart. And if there's things that you need to change, then why wouldn't you do that? Now, wives, this isn't a time to bring out your your grocery list of things that you want, okay? This is not that time. This is a genuine time for your marriage to really be a picture of Jesus in the church. So one last thing. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is where we're gonna close. This is a beautiful picture of what love looks like. And I love that God in his infinite wisdom gave us a picture of this, gave us a whole chapter of what this looks like. And so I'd ask all the husbands and all the young men who are going to be husbands one day, so all the guys, would you just stand up for me? Even Mitch in the back, I see him sitting down. Stand up, Mitch. We're still looking for a wife for Mitch, by the way. <laughs> so brothers, as we read these verses, I want you to be challenged by this, this awesome picture of what love looks like in the Word of God. And wives, I want you to pray this for your husband. This is supposed to be the picture of him in your, church, in, the, in your home. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. 
Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect is but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Brothers, this is our calling. This is our charge. This is who we are in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word today. Lord, I pray in my feeble attempt to expound upon your word today, Father, I pray you would, you would make it life to us as husbands. Lord, you'd help us to see that you have a high calling on us, Lord, that we have this privilege of representing Jesus in our home, Father. And Lord, every one of us would say, we need help with this, Father. We need help to be able to walk in this the way you have this expectation for us. But Lord, I pray that you would create a desire in us today, Father, uh, a renewing to this, Father, that we would say yes and amen to what your word has to say. We would yield our hearts, Lord, to what your word has to say and that you would change us, Father. You would mold us as husbands into the image of your dear son. You would help us to truly love, Lord, as we read in 1 Corinthians 13, that we would truly walk in love with our wives because of who you are. And Lord, I know that we cannot do this apart from you, so Lord, I just pray you would give us guidance. And Lord, I pray as we, we discuss reading these, these questions and having that moment with our wives this week, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to have those moments this week where we could do that and you would continue to mold and make our relationships. Lord, where our marriages truly become this, this one unit, Father, which is what you've called it to be. Not two separate people, but just one, Father. So Father, I just pray you would work that in our marriages. Help us as, as, as husbands, Lord, not to try to justify, not to push away the teachings, the truth of your word, but to say yes to it. Father, we love you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right.